to Ronnie Rage Radio. A discourse in discomfort. Yes, yes. Um, trigger warning for this episode. We're going to be getting into some stuff about harassment and sexual abuse. And if that is triggering for you, please uh, don't listen to this episode. Um, listen to a, a more relaxing episode about police brutality or being an immigrant in America or any of our other stuff, please. Yeah, one of those soothing topics. I'm Sona Lagerwal. I'm Megan Dirty. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. And um, this is, just so you guys know, to give you a little behind the scenes, this is like our third attempt at this episode because we're pretty sure uh, Joe Rogan is trying to keep us <laughs> from sharing the airwaves. <laughs> yeah, he's like, women speaking out, can't have that. Let's let's cut him off somehow. Yeah, whatever 5G tower was supposed to be built outside my house has been stop the process so this week um we're getting into some nitty-gritty we're getting some nitty-gritty into some what does true allyship look like because you know what's going on meg well to give you guys a little context of what's happening in the comedy world right now although this is applicable to the entire world um uh quote unquote famous Comedian Chris D'Elia, uh, famous among uh, douchebags, dude bros, people with no taste. Uh, if you live in America, um, he's he's on Comedy Central. He's on Netflix. You could find him, Chris D'Elia. He uh, it came out that he was a child predator. That he was like DMing girls that were like sixteen, seventeen, even younger. Uh, uh, that were comedy fans of his, and like he also has a Netflix credit playing the role. Of a pedophile. Yeah. So whoever was in that casting was like, let's just cast a real one. It gives a good performance. <laughs> right. It's like there's just something about him that screams child predator. Maybe it's the f- way that he looks or the fact that he is one. We don't know. Um, he has some yeah. like real great experience with that, you know. So, yeah, he really he was great in that role. I don't know if you saw you, but um, now we know why. And, um, yeah, it ca- all of this came out, like, last week, and it was, like, you know, horrible to hear. But, of course, uh, on top of, like, the tragedy of finding out that someone is a predator, uh, there's male comics or just men who always feel the need to, like, defend and defuse the situation. Neil Brennan. God, Neil Brennan, why? Um, what? Like, why, dude? You were, you were already fully established as Dave Chappelle's token pet white man. Right, and he gets away with so much. a really good title. Right, he gets away with so much because of that, and he still somehow has to fuck it up. Um, He tweeted that, like, I hate rapists. If this is true uh, and provide any actual evidence, then I will donate this much money to some, like, alliance against rape. And then he immediately deleted that tweet because all these stories came out. And then the next thing he said is, I believe in due process. Like In, in this yeah. climate? Yeah. Like, with what? With, like, defund the police happening? Like, yeah. oh, my God, if you, oh, God, what bubble are you in? That In what world does due process apply to women Ever. That have undergone any sort of harassment or assault. Right. For you to say that is just, first of all, you don't need to say that. It's like it's like saying all lives matter. Like, you don't need to say that. Everybody already knows. Like, you don't, you just stating that when women are telling, girls are telling you their stories about abuse 
is so disrespectful. It's so disrespectful because one, the law has never been on the side of women. Like think about the last two people who got convicted was what Harvey Weinstein and Bill Cosby. And they literally needed like a small city's worth population worth of women who are famous like Lupita Nyong'o, Gwyneth Paltrow to come out and share their stories after decades of abuse for him to finally be held accountable, barely, barely. And I think it's so irresponsible to hold individuals responsible for their actions. Like you as one, you know, young, like 16 year old are supposed to what? Go to the police? Right. Feel like you've been assaulted. Like, where is the community involved there where it's like you don't even feel comfortable telling your closest friends, let alone somebody in authority, because we do go straight to this like, you know, oh, it's my fault. What was I wearing, though? I did kind of give him permission to be a pedophile. It's like, oh, my God. No, don't. I'm so disappointed. It's so disappointing because it's like, yeah, as a 16 year old girl, first of all, like the adult should know better. But also like, what are you supposed to do? Like Chris D'Elia DM'd me like because, you know, men like this always have like ways to, you know, like they like will Snapchat you or they're like use coded language. So even if they get caught, it's like, oh, I was just being friendly. Like I wasn't trying to do anything like they always create enough defense. And the thing where they're like, well, she looked way older than 15, though. Yeah, like, she never told what me. What does that mean? What does that mean? It's disgusting. It's so that gross. you're that you're excused from taking actions because um, I think this is I'm I'm calling this like the second wave of the Me Too movement because it's going to come in waves and it's like accountability is going to take a really long time because first we had the black and white of like this is Weinstein this is Cosby luckily Aziz brought some nuance into the conversation <laughs> probably the only thing that i can say about his career <laughs> that he brought um some nuance yeah. into the conversation about me too and now it's like we are swimming in shit being in in the industry of entertainment there's so much I bullshit mean, i mean look at louis when, he's still performing Oh my God, Louis is like making money during the pandemic. He's like yeah. selling his special. Oh, and there's so God. many guys and that will go this- up to bat for him. And it's like, you don't need, he's a millionaire. He's fine. Like, I don't understand this level of like making him the victim in all of this. When it's like, he's an adult. Like he fully knew what he was doing when he whipped out his dick in front of women. Those were his peers. Like, why do we treat these men like, like they're like, like babies that like, just like didn't know. And that's just like messed up. Like they're adults. They know what they're doing. And why does it take hundreds of women's lives coming forward for anyone to take any of this seriously. And even then, like, we just write it off as hazards of the workplace. If it's not something, like, really drastic, like, like rape, like, people don't, you know, like, people will step up and be like, well, it's not like Louis actually assaulted women. It's not like, you know, it's like, it's like legal in Colorado. It's like, okay, if you're making those excuses, then you are part of the problem. It's like, we're not just talking about rape we're talking about this entire like 
environment that you're creating where like women feel like a subcategory of a human being just by being there that like we're only worth our looks and or the way you talk over us or the way you pat yourself on the back for being one of the good ones instead of doing something actively to create an environment where there are no bad the bad ones you know and now I have something that um I want to read yes read it iris McAppelin, um, what's incredible, CTP stand quote. for? Certified something no idea. person. He wrote this quote, or she wrote this quote, or they. Um, the more tightly we cling to our identity as a quote-unquote good person, the more skilled we become at rationalizing our behavior and the less available we are to examine the ways that we cause harm chills mic drop so this is like all of my exes (laughs) yeah people and this is just like all men that are like oh how could anyone be a creep thank god i'm not a creep okay thank god i'm not a creep because i'm a good person i'm a good guy if you hear yourself like saying this really emotionally like but i'm a good person you what are are you though unable Are (laughs) are you though are you though? You're what not. Are you unable? What are you defending? What are you defending? Because I will say with one of my exes where we really got into it with like, what is it with this good person? Then as we finally, years after we've broken up, now he's telling me about a lot of the trauma that he endured as a kid. And then I'm like, oh, you have so much unprocessed grief and trauma that now anybody that makes you even feel whatever is like simmering under this facade of bullshit that you present to the world, Mm -hmm. you know, then you're like, no, you're too much. You're too intense for me where it's like, no, you, you need to do the work, but that's the thing. We can't, this whole like call out cancel culture. The problem is like, nobody can force you to examine yourself. You need to do that. Yeah. People can only hold you. People can only, people can only critique you and hold you accountable for your actions. But it's like, you know, you're walking around thinking that you're one of the good guys. So you're not actually doing any of the work of like, what have I done before to perpetuate this entire system? Like, I will tell you just yesterday, I had a conversation with one of my close friends. He's a comedian. And, you know, would I would say he's a good person. He would say he's a good person. But I was complaining about a booker. He's one of the main bookers in the Chicago comedy scene um, and how he's misogynistic in terms of well he's not he's not just a booker he actually owns and runs the club like one of the one of the the three major clubs clubs. in chicago yeah Yeah. where a lot of headliners come and you know if you open for them that's an opportunity for you to go on the road for them that's an opportunity for you to get a credit lot it opens a lot of career pathways now what happens when someone like that is harsher on women or doesn't book as much women or gets away with it because he books some women so you can't like say he's misogynistic but you consistently look at the lineup and that you see it's mostly white dudes and sometimes it's white women and when you see any women of color or people of color it's like uh it's like he has like two that are his favorite or like you know or they're like incredibly good like they're not like women aren't given an opportunity to like fail and learn in his so when what do you, what ha- I pointed that out I pointed it out a few times and every single time my friend felt like he had to defend him that he had to be like well you know he books this person or this person and I finally yesterday was like that makes me feel like shit when you 
defend the other person when I'm telling you something that I experienced. Because I will tell you, like, he recently got, he almost got mugged recently. He was held at gunpoint, which is a very traumatizing thing to happen. Oh, no. It's a horrible thing to happen. Yeah. And it's it's happening a lot in Chicago, apparently now. Be careful. Um, What 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 did you say? Like, what were you wearing? Yeah. What if my first response had been like, oh, maybe he didn't like mean to do that. Maybe like he's having a tough time. Maybe what, how would you feel if the first thing I did was like defend the person that like, or what if the first thing that you said was like, but did you get shot though? So like, what are you complaining about? Exactly. Exactly. So wait, so nothing actually happened. So you're just being like dramatic. Right. Exactly. This yeah. is actually such a great example because everybody knows how to empathize with somebody that's been held up at gunpoint. Whether or not that's happened to you, you're right. able to put yourself in that situation and feel like, oh, that would be really scary. Right. Right. Exactly. And it happened in like Logan Square, which is like a regular neighborhood in Chicago. So like you can't even be like, well, maybe you shouldn't have been in that neighborhood. Maybe you shouldn't have been in a car. Maybe you shouldn't have walked around with your wallet. Like... You, you know, if you say all of those things, you're dismissing that person, like blaming that person for something that happened to them versus something that they did brought upon themselves, you know? And it's like, it's the same thing. Like when someone tells you about someone makes them uncomfortable or someone says that they have this like experience, like do not dismiss them. Do not say, I believe in due process or I'll wait for all the evidence. It's like, there will be no amount of clear-cut evidence with this stuff because the people doing that harm are actively trying to hide evidence. Do you understand? Like, that's why there will never be clear-cut black-and-white evidence for you. And, and um, you know, with all the finger-pointing, it's like, you gotta, you gotta reflect back to yourself. And I know that it feels so good to be judging other people and be like, oh, Crystal is so gross. But then the investigative work of like, dudes, y'all got to hold like some men's circles and be like, Mm -hmm. I've done some shit to make women feel uncomfortable or other men uncomfortable. Men are traumatizing men all the time. Let's not forget that. That's true. You know, and like, what have I done? Because I mean, women, we just have countless stories. We have countless stories of times that we have felt unsafe. And again, we just consider it like part of the biz. Yeah, it's just like part of our experience. I mean, if I like sat down and and if you sat down and if my mom sat down and said, told it every story of like a cat call and like a male coworker giving you a massage or like some, if I told you all of those, I, we wouldn't have enough time in the world. It would just. And, and we, and we either, if we don't get the chance to actually, you know, um, transmute these experiences into some sort of expression i mean we're very very lucky we got a damn podcast we got a podcast called ronnie rage radio where it's like let's talk about the shit that's making us really upset because if you don't then you're silenced and then it just festers and you start doing things like i mean imagine you heard the th- you know the things about Crystalia and you'd be you'd just be like well I'm not gonna become a stand up comedian because I don't want to be around dudes like that you know and yeah. then that's why there's so few women in stand up because they're terrified of this work uh, the more that I hear I'm gonna start stop I'm gonna start agreeing with people when they tell me that I'm brave for doing stand up <laughs> that's true the only brave people are women actually <laughs> the only brave be- because 
Let me tell you right now, when I first, you know, I did not even start doing stand-up until I was in my 30s because I'm like, I am not emotionally equipped to be yeah. exposed to these dregs of society in my 20s. I honestly <laughs> think that everybody in their 20s, definitely you included, Meg, is like, you guys are so insane and brave for exposing yourself because it's a lot of new emotions that are happening like still in your 30s but at least like you're a little bit more prepared because you've been through these experiences of like wow I really don't know shit over and over again Mm -hmm. you know and in your 20s you kind of think that you know until you realize how little you until you realize how much you don't know does that make sense no totally I mean I just turned 27 like a few weeks ago and like I was thinking back to like my first open mic that I did when I was like what like 21 22 and then I didn't do it again for like another year or two but like I was so young then I had no idea how comedy worked I had no idea like how to interact with you know or be on a stage and like that was not that long ago and I've already like changed so much about my physicality I've I know so many women who like don't dress well on stage because because like you know I was told this like by bookers of like well it's like hard for me to like take you like seriously and like you're really funny but like when you like look really good on stage it's hard for me to like listen to what you're saying and I'm like oh so I should look uglier and he's like not uglier just like more like just like less sexual and I'm like what does that mean you know my first open mic it was at Patsy's in Chicago and you know I was by myself like I didn't know anyone in comedy I didn't know anyone in Chicago and you know it's like I'm like in a room of all men and the few women that were there were were like white women and like I I mean I felt very like scared to be there I was like very anxious to go on stage I had like my little like notes printed out that I was like trying to memorize and so I go on stage, sweet. make some dumb joke. It's so bad. I, I think I talked about my pussy because I thought that's what I was supposed to talk about. I was like, oh, I saw Amy Schumer. That's what I should be. Um, and, you know, as soon as I got off stage, the first thing the host did was talk about how he would love to eat me out. Like if I need if he if I ever needed any help. And then he like <sighs> gestured the motion of it. And then, you know, all these people were like laughing. And then I laughed because I didn't want to be like you know, annoying. I didn't want to be like, Oh, I know exactly what what that feeling is. Like, Oh, she's being like a little bitch. Exactly. And then I'm like, and then I didn't go back and do Mike for for a a year. year. Cause I'm like, I don't want to do that again. Because, Oh my God. I mean, and it's like, I just, I can't, it's so beyond my capacity to imagine that what that's like to endure that as a wee little 21 year old. Because that to (laughs) me, I feel like, I mean, I'm 36 now and I feel like, I was just such a child at that age. And even like in my later 20s, 25, 26, when I started traveling and my favorite thing was just like, I don't know. I don't know anything. I'm American. I'm young. We're idiots. Uh, Traveling as an American is really like, you know, like you special assistance card holding. You're like, please help me. We are really, really dumb people. It's that's actually a travel tip. But when I was um, doing a set at the House of Blues, I'm, I don't care whether or not I ever do comedy there again because the guy that runs that room is a huge um, sketchball himself. And, you know, great. If you want to pay me to come do comedy, fine. But my first time on that stage, and it was in the very beginning stages of me doing stand-up, yes, I've been performing for a long time, but it's my first time doing, like, stand-up, stand-up. And 
I'm doing. And I was talking about my pussy because um, Donald Trump just got elected in 2016. <sighs> yeah. And he was doing the whole pussy grabbing thing. Remember? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He said that he, that was released on tape and people are still like, well, we're like, maybe he doesn't mean that. I mean, they tried to prosecute him and there was no evidence. So besides his own words. Yeah. And and (laughs) something about bombs because we're brown and that's like our thing, you know, where we're like, yeah, I got a problem at TSA because do you have any explosives? I say, yeah, I got this bomb ass pussy. (laughs) Pause for pause for how bad that is. So, you know, that's the honestly the first year of stand up is just getting on stage. Yeah. I'm like doing the thing. And then you're like, oh, what is a joke? But anyway, the host that brought me off did this. He said into the mic at an actual show, like, I know she's got that bomb ass pussy and I would definitely hit that. I laughed. Of course you laughed. What else are you supposed to do? What else are you supposed to do? Be like, hold up. Time's out. Time's up. Right. <laughs> and be like, because I want to get booked again. I want right. to do more comedy. I don't want to be like problematic. And that's what people need to realize. It's like so the the reason this is such a big issue is like, yes, like men get harassed and women get harassed and all that. But it's like the problem is right now men host men hold like most of the power when it comes to booking shows, booking clubs, uh, you know, being uh, managers on teams at work, running our country, whatever, however poorly. But they're in charge. So you know, Sono laughed, I laughed, because we want to get booked again. We don't want to be canceled and taken off some email list because we're problematic. Like, that's why we laugh. Like, you have, you guys have to realize that 90% of the reason women laugh is because the alternative is we're scared that you will hurt us or stop booking us or, like, us. us. And there's been so many times where I've laughed when someone said something sexual to me in an Uber or on a date because... Like the alternative alternative is like, oh, that's a very creepy thing to say. And then engaging in that conversation. And it's because like, I, what if I'm hurt? Yeah, because the second that you hold the mirror up to somebody else, like this whole calling out people and like, you need to make it really uncomfortable for people to do racist jokes. I don't know how well that works because the second you're like, hey, what you're doing is inappropriate. It is a natural instinctual thing for your defenses to go up mm-hmm. because your ego wants to protect yourself. Yourself is very vulnerable and you want to be like, wait, but that's not what I was trying to say. No, I think you misinterpreted instead of like, you know, that's why we need a third party or a mediator or somebody to be like, hey, let's all look at there's intention versus impact. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like, you know, how you know, how they say with guys like you can't tell guys what to do you have to make it seem like it's their own it's their idea, idea. Oh, that's, that's so like i hate that yes i hate that but that's not just for guys that's all that's like for, for everybody everyone. you know like i can't tell my mom something that would be better for all of us you know like i have to find the episode of oprah or i have to be like i'm going to therapy because i think therapy would be great for me and then she can like Okay, maybe I should consider therapy. But if yeah. I'm like, Ma, you need to go to therapy, she's not gonna she's not gonna listen to that. It turns into duality, gotcha. is what I'm saying. I see what you're saying. And I think like with all of this too, like 
this idea of because you said it earlier with like the more idea the more you cling to your idea of being good the less you become available to like work on yourself like it it makes me think about how we often look at good and bad as this like binary right um like recently the author of one of my favorite books jk jk rowling uh said some very transphobic things very and uh people have been bashing the harry potter series which fine i get it you can you can bash the harry <laughs> potter series um but to me that's like similar to like you know when people like unfriend their racist friends and family um it's to me that's not like doing the work because you're saying like oh those people are bad they're transphobic they're racist i'm good and and you're and you're and, and that's and you're like perpetuating this duality but like the thing is there's no like there's there's never going to be a time where we all stop fully being racist or misogynistic or homophobic. It's just a part of our culture. It's part of our instincts. It's in our history. It's in it's in everything. So all that is to say is like we can't just like throw someone necessarily like we think of like rapists as like, oh, Chris D'Elia, Louis C.K., Bill Cosby. Um, we think of them as these like mythical villains that are far removed from us, but actually all of these creeps are people that you are protecting. They're already in your life. Like there's male comics in Chicago, in New York, in LA, wherever, who are already doing this shit, but you just don't know their name because they're not Chris D'Elia. Like there's already homophobic people in your life. They're just your coworkers who are really nice to you. Like there's racists in your life. <laughs> they're just not, you know, they're like Amy Cooper who like will, you know, wear a Pete Buttigieg tote, but then call the cops on a black person minding their own business. So what I'm saying is that like some of those instincts that we have are not like these like insane, like irregular things. They're within us. They're within your friends. So that's where the work comes. And I think, um, you know, we have to be really kind of strategic in the way that we hold space. I mean, we talked about this last week too. Like, don't just go unfriending people, you know, because that's where... The work is even like let people say the crazy things and then something as simple as like, well, I think that you should think about what you're saying and think about how that's your experience, you know, in the case of like, oh, due process, like, well, Neil Brennan, have you ever been assaulted? Um, How do you think that would have gone for you if in the moment of your assault, especially if you were super young? Do you think that you would have just confided, you know, and because this was this was one thing that I definitely, you know, it's is not, you know, the way that we feel uncomfortable around male comedians is like how people of color and especially black people feel around the police all yeah. the time. They feel like a, a visceral, terrified response. And I'm talking to my dad and my dad's a very sweet man and he's super smart. And he'll he's still like, well, you know, the media is showing Ugh, the media is showing a skewed version of reality where I don't think that that's the general experience. I think most of the time cops are trying to help. That's what they're there for. And I'm like, oh, my God, Dad, that is very sweet that you think that. But that is not what people are viscerally experiencing. And then I actually had like a breakthrough with him where I'm like, okay, you grew up in India. In many places in the world, dogs are the equivalent of rats. Or, yeah. you know, they're, they're like terrifying. giant street animals that if one came right, you know, they have they're in their own world. 
It's like you see a rat, it's over there. It's not like going to come towards you to do a, a sit and roll over for a trick. You know, so like when I was in college, I brought a friend home and he had this big ass dog. And my dad, it was a very humanizing, like, oh, my dad's a real human moment for me where my dad like freaked out. My dad was like, what is this dog doing in here? It needs to get out. And I'm like, no, dad. And I'm like, got my face in the dog's face. I'm like, look, see, I'm like making out with dog. And (laughs) I'm like, look, it's fine. It's fine. And he's like, no, it's not fine. I need you to get this dog the fuck out of here. And then I'm like, dad, do you remember that feeling? How it's like, it's programmed into you. This is a visceral response. That's how women feel around men all the time, often, I'm making sweeping statements, and how black people and how people of color feel around the police all the time. And he's like, oh, oh, that's, well, that's not very good. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy that that is finally the thing that helps your dad understand. But it makes sense because it's like, you know, empathy comes from experience, Yes. And I mean, you hate dogs. You I hate, hate dogs. dogs. I mean, yeah, I, I, I grew up in India and like dogs are wild there. They used to chase me around and even like jumped on me. And, you know, like it's it's like once you like have that like fight or flight response ingrained in you, it's hard to like unlearn it. Like I can think a dog is cute, but it doesn't change the way I feel about it. And like people always take it so personally. They're like, well, my dog is nice. And I'm like, oh, OK, uh, I don't care. That is is literally the equivalent of, you know, blue lives matter. And like, not all cops are bad. Yeah. It's like, oh, cool. Like, I'm sure. Yeah. It's nothing against your dog. It's that like, I've had this experience. It's not about you. And that's what like men need to realize too. Like, it's like, I mean, I was like, you know, hurt at a very young age by when I was like, you know, six uh, by like like a neighbor guy who was like the older brother of my friend and you know that is like a traumatizing experience that has colored my entire life like the reason I'm so like you know like careful and cautious and controlling of everything all the time is because I like to control my environment because I still don't feel safe ever like I still hold all of that anxiety in me like I got a massage in January and the woman was like whoa you're holding so much like trauma in your body and I'm like yeah like I just I just walk around with that all the time like that's I'm like I'm always very jumpy like if you ask any roommate I've ever lived with I like jump every time someone enters the room or speaks louder than a normal level because I'm just it's just like an animal it's like a you know like dogs that are like hurt and they're at the shelter, they still like freak out when anyone touches them. Like I'm, it's like, it's like that, like your body. Oh my God. I think we're actually really, I think we're actually really onto something because white people care about dogs much more than (laughs) they do about people. Yeah, they do. And I mean, like, unfortunately I think that we have to wrap, we have to do a quick episode this week because we've been having some audio issues, but, um, Really, for me, the main thing is, like, if you feel yourself putting your defenses up with this, like, but I'm a really nice person, what is it in yourself that you are unwilling to look at, that you're defending so intensely? Yeah, and also just, I just want to say one more thing to, like, wrap up. Oh, yes, please. Um, And, and Meg, I want to thank you so much for sharing that, and and I promise you that that will bring you wells of empathy 
through that horrible experience that happened to you that nobody, none of the Joe Rogans will ever be able to experience because they're just lost in their own assholeness? Um, so I was going to say, it was like, it's, I, I think a lot of people just don't realize that like when you're talking about this stuff, it's like, I, I'm not talking about the most recent experience. Like I'm thinking through all of the experiences from all the small stuff to the big stuff. Um, I'm talking about the way that I see my niece get treated and my mother and my grandmother and my friend and all the stories of all my friends who've told me throughout college, throughout life, like, like, you know, like women carry all of that within us. And that, and that's why sometimes we're cold or distant or focused or calculated or whatever words you use on us because like we have all those stories in our mind. So it's like, I think if you're a man listening to this or if you share this with a man, it's like, it's not just about being one of the good ones. It's about calling out your friends and who are, you know, doing something that you feel like is wrong and also believing your friends who tell you when something happens to them and and not justifying it like Neil Brennan does. Yeah, you can honestly, listening, which is so hard, we're all learning to listen. It can be as simple as, I hear you and I'm really sorry that happened to you. Yeah. And sometimes it's just about shutting up and just letting the other person, just letting them say something and not, even if you don't relate to their experience, that's okay. Just listen. Um, Just listen. Just listen and listen and listen. All right. We'll um, talk about it more next time or something. Yeah, we will. We will. Ra, ra, ra. We we love you guys. Thanks for being here. Bye. Um, Okay. We got to cut it. Short episode. Bye. Bye. Thank you.